Well, I want to I want to talk to you. I want us to think about the sympathy of Jesus with our infirmities. I guess in some ways, maybe I I don't usually do what I'm going to do tonight, but I'm going to be reading several quotes, lengthy quotes um, by Octavius Winslow that I've been blessed by reading um, a book by him, The Precious Things of God, and just talking about the sympathy of our Savior. And let me begin by reading a couple of verses that will be, I guess you would say, in some way springboarding off of. I say this is not my typical way of addressing a message, but I do pray that it will be beneficial for us. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew writes in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's really what we want to think about. He took our infirmities and He bore our sicknesses. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. By the way, let me just mention this, that when we're viewing God, we're viewing incomprehensible God, right? We're, we're viewing, we're finite viewing infinite. So, there are none of us who speaks perfectly when we speak, especially beyond what is clearly revealed in Scripture. But I am convinced that It is the cross work of Christ. It is the salvation work of Christ, what we call the economy of God in, in bringing about our salvation. It is, it is, I believe that it is viewing God through that, that we see God most clearly. And, and I believe that's, that's the, one of the glories of the, of the gospel. And so when you read here about, uh, Jesus, the Son of God, He passed through the heavens. And, and of course, you know, he returned to the glory which he had with the Father. But in, in our understanding, it's very, it's, it's, we're limited. And so we're seeing God from the vantage point of revelation. And the greatest revelation is in the Son and, and all, all, all that has been revealed. And so, and so we don't start in our, in our view of him. It's, it can be, in some ways, I would say, um, we just have to be careful where we're starting with our view of God, lest we get off track. And maybe I'll, that's all I'll say about that. But he says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize 
spoken in negative language to emphasize. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. But we, to put it positively, we definitely do have a high priest. There is a man in heaven who is our high priest. God-man. Who is... He doesn't simply... It's not a sympathy because He is the infinite God and knows everything. It is sympathy because He took... He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. So, He is able to feel, not just in the sense of God can do everything, but in the sense that He really does feel. Wednesday night, I I mentioned the prayer of Paul for Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.22. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so Jesus comes to our, as I thought about that more in connection with these meditations, um, Jesus Christ comes to our spirit with sympathy. He feels. I don't think we would know this apart from Scripture, would we? Would we know that apart from Scripture? I don't know how we would know that apart from the revelation of Scripture, that, that fact. And I don't think the revelation of Scripture would mean much without His Spirit confirming it in us. And so, you hear what I'm saying, even the things that I just read, you read them, and the reality, they're revealed, but it's when the Spirit touches us with those realities that we are then helped, encouraged, blessed, strengthened. And that's what I desire for me, and that's what I desire for you. We know that Jesus is God in perfect union with humanity. That's that's the way that he was able himself to take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. And what does that include? This idea of infirmities, especially or sicknesses, what does it include? It includes physical, mental, emotional and spiritual weaknesses. I think all of that is included in those 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 words, it's, it's, it's collecting everything about us. The, the, and what's the cause of all infirmity? Sin is the cause of all infirmity, which there was no infirmity when Adam was first created. There was none. And sin is the fundamental principle that continues to impact this body of death. And this body of death 
is still the body in which we live. And it continues to groan under its effects. The effects of the principle of sin that has not been taken, it hasn't been eradicated, it still, it still exists in this world and it affects us. And so the Apostle Paul asked the question, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And we get so wrapped up in our theological controversies, some of which are worth getting wrapped up in, but maybe we are missing something. And maybe in some minds it's, it's that we are, we are right now delivered from this body of, of death. In, in other words, there, there, there is no impact of this body of death upon us right now. That is simply not true. We still are living in this body of death. Who shall deliver us from this body of death? That's the question. And I hear in that question, The cry of one who feels the depth of the impact of the principle of sin causing infirmities. Causing infirmities. The lingering effects of the fall affecting this world also affects every believer. It affects us all very differently, and yet we are all affected. We're not all equal in the effect that the that this body of death has upon us. But we all are living in this body of death that can from which we can only be delivered by one. And it's not you and me, it's not the law, not you and me. And so this body of death has not yet been fully experientially redeemed. And there are various kinds and degrees of infirmity. And here's where I'm borrowing from Octavius Winslow. And it was really helpful to think through these things with him. And so we might have these, we might think of categories of infirmities. And, and of course, when we think of infirmities, what's the first thing you think about? Probably physical infirmities and diseases, physical infirmities, and they are many and they are various, right? We're not all alike, but we are all affected and there are a number of our brethren who are affected. affected. There's some of us right now are being affected by physical infirmity, even though we're present. Some haven't been able to make it to the assembly because they are they're affected by infirmity, physical infirmity. Infirmity, by the way, the names that have been thrown out today, Aaron is one that is being affected. That's why he's not here. So you might remember him in prayer, having some stomach issues. But then there are constitutional infirmities. Constitutional, our our makeup, not just physical. But but the. Our constitution as human beings, which includes moral, intellectual, and emotional infirmities. And we all have them. None of us live with perfect balance. Well, at least y'all don't. No, I don't think we respect that enough. That we're all off balance somehow, some way. We, we are all still affected by infirmities. We're still living in this body of death. 
Our temperaments differ. Our emotional makeups vary. Our thinking is not all the same. The way we think, the way we process things are not all the same. And all of us are affected with what is known as infirmities. All of us battle with infirmities in every area. Reading from Mr. Winslow, it is an infirmity to be too feeling, too feeling. It is an infirmity to be too cold. It's an infirmity to be too trusting. It is equally an infirmity to be too suspicious. It is an infirmity to be totally fascinated by the sunny, golden, and mellow tints of the picture, and equally so to be mentally absorbed and depressed by shaded and gloomy coloring. This is my infirmity, may be the exclamation, as each one passes in review. Yes, they are infirmities, lighthearted and gravity, optimistic and desponding, the feeling and the unemotional, the confiding, the distrusting, the ardent or passionate and the frigid, the liberal and the stingy, the credulity that believes anything, the skepticism that believes nothing. All these and a thousand more constitutional characteristics that might be adduced in consequence of the sin that dwells in us, are infirmities clinging to our fallen humanity. The source and the occasion frequently of our deepest and bitterest sorrows. Brethren, we are all very different, but all quite infirmed. Would you agree? And then there's the soul. Soul level infirmities. They vary as well. We're not all the same. We're not, we're not all struggling with the very same weakness, but we all have weakness. Infirmity. It's the infirmity of one believer that his faith is always faltering. Of another that his courage is always failing. Of one that he's of a desponding tendency of mind, taking but little of the comfort and hope of the gospel. And of another that he confides too implicitly in himself and looks too exclusively to his ever varying and fluctuating experience for the strength and evidence of his Christianity. Those are all infirmities. None of us live with a perfect expression of faith. Have you all figured that out yet? And the point of mentioning these various infirmities is not to drag you down or simply accentuate the evidence of the principle of sin still at work. But to bring us to a place of encouragement that himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus took all this upon himself. As he lived in our nature, yet without sin. He lived under the effects of the fall, yet without sinning. Did you, did you hear that? Did, did, did he hunger? Did he thirst? The effects of the fall. But there was no sin in that. That it was the effects of sin in which he lived. And he, he dwelt in the humanity. I, I like what... Um, 
Michael, I don't know if he's quoting somebody, but he said, you know, Jesus had an umbilical cord. That kind of brings it to reality. He was a human. Right? Yeah, without sin. He took our infirmities and bore our sickness. All of them. All of them. Sin which entered the world by one man is the root cause of all infirmities and sicknesses. And so, as Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us, He identified with us in all points of infirmity. Whatever your infirmity is. You know, the glory of the cross certainly shines with the love of God as His Eternal Son was made a propitiation for our sins. Charles, when you prayed that, my soul resonated. I have goosebumps right now. You can't see it. Maybe that's an infirmity. I don't think that's an infirmity to respond that way. But, I I don't know that I should say but because I don't want to cancel out that. We draw great encouragement from knowing That He actually, personally, identifies with us in our infirmity because He Himself took it on. It wasn't just that He took on an idea. He bore. He took. He bore. It was somehow, and I know we speak to some degree in mysterious Ways here. Maybe we can't fully enter in, but I would say back off of the questions that come to your mind and receive the reality that He took your infirmities and He bore your sicknesses as He bore your sin. And so the divine mind, the divine mind, can we even speak that way? I, how else are we to speak but human language? The divine mind can sympathize with us because he took on our nature. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That is true. He could not have represented you and me, he could have not, he could not have born, he could not have died, he wouldn't be a mediator between God and man unless he was the man, Christ Jesus. But the verse goes on to say, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He identifies, he knows. He relates. Mr. Winslow says, and I quote, it's a lengthy quote here. Jesus took our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Could language be stronger? Not merely the punishment for sin, but sin itself was laid upon him. Yet was he without sin. And thus it was. Our blessed Lord took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And now. Trace his own actual personal participation in our infirmities. Jesus knew what it was to be weary, to hunger and thirst, 
to be homeless and friendless, to be maligned, traduced, slandered, to be wounded by foes, to be deserted by friends, to be taunted by men, to be tempted by Satan, to be forsaken by God. Was not this a taking upon him our infirmities? Did not his did not this include them all? What is your infirmity, O child of God? Is it sin? Jesus bore it. Is it sickness? Jesus carried it. Is it a weak and firm, frail body? Jesus assumed it. Is it loneliness? Jesus lived much in solitude. Is it irritability, impatience, fretfulness, nervousness? Jesus bore the sin and curse from whence this springs. Is it wounded love, betrayed confidence, disappointed friendship? Jesus trod this shaded path before you. Is it poverty, straightened circumstances, humiliating dependence? Jesus too was poor and supported by the charities of those who ministered of their substance to his wants. Was subjected to this humiliation. Are you bereaved? Keenly did Jesus feel this sorrow when his tears fell fast and thick upon the grave of his friend at Bethany. Tell me then. Have you an infirmity which your Lord did not bear before you? Himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. End quote. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what your infirmity is, physical, mental, emotional, and listen, how dare any of us look down upon another Are you hearing that? Jesus is not looking down upon us in our infirmity. He is sympathizing. Right? You have a Savior who is with His Father and ours and has given His Spirit to sympathize with you. And so should we with one another. But that's kind of an extension of what we're talking about here. Do you battle with physical sickness? Emotional downturns with feelings of insufficiency, with loneliness, with sluggishness in prayer. I just visited with somebody this week who was basically bemoaning his his own sluggishness in prayer. And thank God I'd been meditating on some of this and was able to say to him, Jesus knows. Jesus is sympathetic. You don't need to beat yourself up. You need to go to Him. Go to Him. All of this is of utmost interest and concern to Jesus who bore our infirmities. He took those infirmities and He bore our sicknesses. And so Mr. Winslow says, sick believer, you're not alone. And you know, as I was preparing this, it, it became aware to me that There's more people that are undergoing sickness right now than there was when I first started thinking about these things. And I know we constantly have sickness in our church. And I thought, this is really applicable. You're not alone. Christ is with you. He says, suffering one. Christ is bearing that suffering with you. The burning fever, the writhing pain, the faintness, the languor, the sinking. All is known to Him. The difficulty of concentrated and consecutive thought. 
Your inability to meditate, to read, to pray. The absence of spiritual enjoyment. The dimmed evidences, the deep, the beclouded hope, the fears and tremblings, all, all are entwined with your Redeemer's sympathy. And His grace shall be sufficient for you. His strength shall be made perfect in your weakness. And thus you shall be enabled to glory in your infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon you. And understand that this is not a This is not a a Savior who is sympathetic but unable to help. That might be you and me. Though in fact it's this very sympathy that Hebrews says should, should stir us up. Therefore, to come boldly to the throne of grace, right? To that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. And so tonight, we remember Him who does not forget us. We remember Him. He doesn't need help. We need help, it seems, remembering Him like we should. He doesn't need help remembering us. Be thankful for that. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and my spirit, our spirit tonight as a church, as we partake together, that we may find in Him the help we need in our infirmities. Not just tonight. But may we meet with Him meeting us at the point of deepest infirmity. Some of you probably are struggling even right now with the infirmity of sleepiness or whatever. And when we come to take these elements, you know, you, you may not be alive, alert and ready and just on cloud nine and bubbling over with, you know what I'm saying? You may be struggling. May Christ by His Spirit meet you there. You see? Meet you right there in your infirmity. Receive from Him in faith. And receive what He is choosing to give you in Himself. In the, remember, it's not that He couldn't take that infirmity away. He could. You understand that? He's not a weak God. But He chooses to meet you in the infirmity. And so find from Him the deliverance that you need in all your infirmities as you trust Him. To lead you as the sympathetic Savior and Shepherd that He is. He's with you. He's with you. And He knows just how how much you need Him. He knows that, whether you do or not. And then rejoice in hope. As you take these elements tonight, rejoice in hope that He will finally deliver us. It is a risen Savior that we remember tonight. Yes, we look back. 
But I can tell you the only good it does to look back is if you can also look forward. This is not, this is not a, this is not a still in the tomb gospel. We rejoice in hope that He will finally deliver us from all infirmity and sickness with the full redemption that He has purchased for us. I think we need to meditate on that more than we do. It's one of the things that I'm encouraged when I, you know, I, I live with an, an aged person and, uh, and I visit aged people who know the Lord and, and, and that's what they're looking forward. More so than maybe some of you and me are. I, I want to look, I want to love his appearing, right? I want to be more and more anticipating Him. We remember tonight not a past sympathetic Savior. We remember tonight a present sympathetic Savior. Whoever lives, whoever lives for us to intercede for us, to meet with us, to give to us what we need because He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses when He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. And so, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Think about that as you Eat that bread and drink that cup tonight. You are remembering the answer, aren't you? I thank God through Jesus Christ. Who is sympathetic towards you now. As He brings you to where He has ordained for you to be forever with Him. Father, I pray.